Hey guys, welcome to Backlot Review, an official part of the Backlot Podcast Network. I'm your host, Steven Saria, and I'm joined by my co-host, Nick Sarmiento. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about Rocket Man, the newest film uh, or musical biopic on Elton John's life. Um, Nick, what do you think about Rocket Man? Uh, yeah, I, I really, uh, I really liked Rocket Man. I would say that, that, you know, I tweeted on our account that Rocket Man is like an example of how like biopics should be made, just because that formula of like the typical biopic gets very repetitive and it could get really boring really fast. Um, like I, I would say it now, like Rocket Man is a hundred times better than Bohemian Rhapsody in my opinion. Absolutely. And, it, and like it's it's just like really annoying that. Bohemian Rhapsody has got nominated for all these Oscars, and you know I I don't think Rocket Man will get nominated for anything. I mean it might, but it's it's not gonna hold the acclaim, and I say that like with air quotes that Bohemian Rhapsody will hold. So I think that's a little disappointing. Um. Well, I'm gonna say that I actually think Rocket Man is the shoe in for one Oscar, and that is um. The Oscar for uh, Best Costume Design. I actually think I think this movie is pretty much a lock. Obviously, there's we're early on into the year and there's plenty of movies to come out, but costume design in this in this film was excellent. But um, I see what you're saying in regards to Rocket Man and Bohemian Rhapsody being compared to each other, because I feel like well, I fear that Rocket Man might always live in Bohemian Rhapsody's shadow, which hundred percent. Yeah, which is really sad because Rocket Man is better than Bohemian Rhapsody in literally every single way possible. Like I was uh, writing some notes before recording this podcast and I was writing basically the differences between the two and I couldn't think of a single thing that Bohemian Rhapsody does better than Rocket Man. Not <laughs> not one single thing and I I'm being completely honest. I mean, yeah, like it, it, it's just it's very like watching this movie I couldn't help but compare it to like Bohemian Rhapsody just because I guess it came out so recently. But yeah, watching this movie, I I enjoyed that the typical like biopic like formula, like this movie follows that and it's very clear that it follows that. But I feel that it does a very good job because instead of like going into that typical like formula of like, okay, like here he writes, the not that he writes or he performs like a famous song or his first big performance, like they add that whole like fantasy aspect to it and make it more, you know, enjoyable to watch and not the same old, like the same old thing that we see in every single biopic. Okay. So that's what I would say. Like, uh, like the first scene, though, there's a scene where he's performing and, you know, instead of him acting performing and it's like okay just him playing like okay you know greatest hits here we go it turns into a very like a musical it becomes like a musical like a like a fantasy like you're watching like a fantasy movie you know and i'm pretty sure the trailer says something like that at one point that it's like a fantasy oh yeah for sure this movie felt more like a traditional musical than even a biopic mm -hmm. whereas in this movie the songs in the movie help to push the plot forward. Like they all serve a purpose in the movie's narrative. Like uh, when Rocket Man comes on, it's very clearly. Yeah, I'm not gonna spoil. Well, okay, we'll we'll get into spoilers later. But when Rocket Man comes on, it's very clearly, you know, serves a specific purpose in the context of the movie's narrative. Whereas for Bohemian Rhapsody, the songs in the movie just felt like, hey, look at Queen making their most famous songs mm -hmm. 
and it doesn't really play a larger part into the film's plot. Um, yeah. But basically, Rocketman as a whole is everything that Bohemian Rhapsody was not. This movie is honest, it's passionate, it's intense, it's authentic, it's kinetic, it's more ambitious and more daring. Basically, literally everything that <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody wasn't, because mm. if we're being honest, Bohemian Rhapsody wasn't honest. You know, it painted a very biased picture of, of Freddie Mercury and Queen, um, mm-hmm. It didn't feel very passionate. It absolutely was not a passion project. It wasn't really very intense. It was a pretty cookie-cutter plot. There was no real tension, I feel, in the movie. Um, it was almost kind of boring at times. I mean, it, it was a typical biopic. It just followed that very like simple formula, and that's that's why it's hard to make a very good biopic. I mean, and also I would say that, you know, Taron Egerton, he actually sings. It's not him, it's not him you know, lip-singing to... Elton John, like in Bohemian Rhapsody, how it was Freddie Mercury singing. Well, they were lip singing to Freddie Mercury. He's actually doing covers of Elton John's music, so it gives, it gives the movie its own, you know, personality. Yeah, definitely. And I think uh, Taron killed it as Elton, but uh, we could get to that a little later. I really enjoyed how Rocket Man painted a true, or tried to paint the truest picture of Elton John's life as possible. You know, given mm-hmm. the like the confines of the movie and all that stuff. But is the fact that Elton John is still alive, does that change how this movie is made? Like when compared to Bohemian Rhapsody? Because obviously Freddie Mercury is dead. He's not with us. If Freddie was alive and Bohemian Rhapsody is being made, does Mm -hmm. Freddie Mercury change the outcome of the movie that Bohemian Rhapsody was? Or better, huh. or better yet, does the fact that Elton John, does the fact that he is still alive, does him being alive make, like, did it let Rocketman be better? You know, the fact that he uh, executive produced it and he had a big say in it. I mean, he wanted to to paint it mm-hmm. in the most uh, real way possible. I feel like that answer could go either way because him being alive, you know, he could just be like, no, I don't want this in the movie. I don't want that in the movie. I, I guess, hmm. I don't know. I feel like it, it does and it doesn't. It like because this movie seems very honest. I mean, it doesn't seem like he's trying to hide anything. Like you clearly see in this movie, like it's not a very like this movie isn't a happy movie at all. This is actually a very sad movie. Um, I wouldn't say sad. I, I, it's I mean, not I'd sad. Say more, but I'd say it's, dark. It's honestly, dark. I'd say dark. But, but hmm, would it be made differently if he was? I think if he was dead, yeah, it would be made differently. It'd be more of like. Yeah, it would just I feel like if he was dead, it would probably try to hit more on the nostalgia of him like, oh, here are his songs. This is what he did. You know, and I guess that he's alive. You know, he was able to have his story actually told and not just, you know, a greatest hits movie, basically. Yeah, because I mean, Ellen as a person has never really been one to shy away from the spotlight. He's always been very open uh, about himself and, you know, the struggles that he faced while he was on this road to becoming one of the world's greatest rock stars. And when compared to Bohemian Rhapsody, which painted Queen in almost too much of a positive light, Mm -hmm. uh, basically there was no tension in Bohemian Rhapsody. I think there's like one, I mean, there's like two or three scenes where they argue for like five minutes, (laughs) but then like five minutes later, they've already made up 
And then when they do meet up, it's in a way that makes it seem like no one was really in the wrong. Like that scene where Queen breaks up and then they get back together for Live Aid. Yeah. And it happens in like 10 minutes. And then they're kind of like, hey, bro, like, don't worry, we need you. And it's just like, (laughs) really? Like, I mean, I understand like Freddie was a huge figure and, you know, obviously one of the greats, but treat him and Queen with a little more respect almost. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm trying to say? Yeah. It, I mean, I, yeah, I get what you're saying, but it's also that, like, you know, the people of Queen also approved of the movie. So, you know, they clearly were happy with it. But I don't know. Like, it's just very, it just felt, it doesn't feel genuine when you're watching it. I guess someone, Absolutely. I guess if you're someone who doesn't know about Queen, you'll be like, oh, okay, like, this is their story. This is it. When in reality, that really wasn't the story. Like a lot of that stuff is not, that's not how, if you actually read about what happened, a lot of that stuff didn't happen that way. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, like I know with the Elton John stuff, I don't know as much of the background of, um, of Elton John as I did Queen, but I do know that like, yeah, Elton John lived a very crazy, like absurd life. And, you know, he did almost die like several times. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this movie like showed that like this movie. Yeah, this movie showed I think this movie showed that like uh, that Elton John had pro- had been through, you know, a lot in his life and had felt a lot of pain at times. And I felt that we didn't really get that with Bohemian Rhapsody. It was kind of just somebody telling a story like I, I felt like it wasn't Freddie Mercury telling his story because it wasn't because Freddie Mercury is dead with Rocketman. I feel like it's Elton John telling his story. You get me? Mm, that's a great point. Yeah, that's true. And I, I think he did the casting also for this movie. Um, John? I think he did. When I saw the credits, it showed something like that, that it's a casting by, you know, Elton John. And I was like, what? I was a little surprised by that. I'm, gonna I'm not sure. Use, I mean, maybe, I'm gonna he check means that like, right now. maybe he means like Taron Egerton because him and Taron Egerton are friends. Like, yeah, they were in Kingsman 2 together. Um, Taron Egerton um sang a few of his songs for the animated movie sing that illuminations movie so i know that they are familiar with one another like before going into this movie so maybe that had some sort of influence over it possibly yeah let me say that this movie is much deeper and darker than bohemian rhapsody like oh for sure like i feel like uh i mean obviously darker i mean um john tries to freaking kill himself in this movie like he did in real life. Uh, so the darker aspect, absolutely. But at the same time, it was much more whimsical and fun. Like there was a very fun aspect to this movie. Um, and I think some of that has to do with the almost fantasy-like feel to it due to some of the framing devices and the visuals. Um, and I think right now is a perfect time to say that right now we are going into spoilers for Rocketman. So if you have not seen Rocketman... Come back to this part of the podcast once you watched it, because we're going to be talking about uh, Rocketman in detail starting right now. Um, And what I mean by some of the fantasy like visuals, I'm sure you'll you know what I'm talking about. But for the viewers, I mean, specifically during the scenes of well, the opening scene of when um, baby Elton sings the bitch is back. The scene of Elton singing Crocodile Rock at the Troubadour. And mm-hmm. the scene of Elton singing Rocket Man. Those are the three main scenes that come to life when the movie really 
embraces its fantasy aspect. And what I mean by that is basically the visuals. I mean, it's really just Elton singing in weird, not weird landscapes, but in changing landscapes or floating or interacting with a younger version of Elton John. We also get the scene with him and Richard Madden. Uh, when Richard oh, Madden's character. Cat. Yeah, where you see him walking through. And yeah, the, it, the, like the, the singing aspects of this movie are like a fantasy. It's just not a typical like performance a majority of the time. Okay. Yeah. You know, and I think I think that makes the movie very creative and, and, and more enjoyable to watch because, yeah, you're not just getting the typical performance of, oh, okay, here we go. It's a guy playing Elton John performing, you know, what's happening. It, it's It's more of like a fantasy and you know this might also be because it's elton john telling his story because you know maybe this is elton john this is it, it seems like he's describing how he was feeling in these moments and i think due to the fact that the movie was much deeper and darker than bohemian rhapsody this movie definitely had more to say than bohemian rhapsody ever did which mm-hmm. uh when in bohemian rhapsody the movie was basically saying hey, look how awesome Freddie and Queen were all the time. Whereas in Rocketman, the movie showed how naturally talented and gifted Elton was since he was a little boy, but Elton was never glorified during the movie. He was always shown with some sort of of um, problem or some sort of, of um, I mean, yeah, I mean, problem. Yeah, he was, he was shown with some sort of problem, rather that be internal from internal factors or external factors, you know, during the beginning of the movie, it's him not being loved enough by his family and his, and later on his peers. And mm-hmm. then as you go on through the film, that problem uh, turns into a physical manifestation of his addiction to drugs, sex, and alcohol. But this mm-hmm. movie definitely felt like it was tr- like it had a message, which I want to get to. I mean, we could talk about that right now. Wait, hold on. Before we get to that, I think we need to point out, I don't know if you know this, Richard Madden and Aiden Gillen, the characters that play <laughs> Rob Stark and Littlefinger, literally play the exact same person. Yeah. <laughs> John Reed was the notes. manager. Yeah, he was the manager for Queen and Elton John. And that is hilarious that they actually <laughs> that they play the same person. And it just shows how the movie depicts them so much differently. Like... Um. Is uh is John Reed gonna be the Nick Fury of the musician biopic universe? He might be. He might just start popping up here and now. Is, is he gonna recruit? A, is he gonna recruit uh Bob Dylan next? Jesus, I mean, man. I mean, honestly though, I liked Richard Madden's version of the character much more. Oh, hundred percent. He definitely felt like he had much more personality, and he felt like a different character, whereas Aidan Gillen. It was basically just playing like Agent Littlefinger, but I also don't think Aiden Gillen is that great of an actor. But that's just me personally. Mm. Um, but yeah, I was gonna. What I was gonna say was, I feel like uh, Rocket Man definitely had something more to say than Bohemian Rhapsody. And looking back on it, it felt like Bohemian Rhapsody didn't have one clear message that it was trying to convey. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Rocket Man. I very much like the movie very much had a specific message it was trying to put out. And I feel like those messages were very those messages and themes were very well handled and conveyed Mm -hmm. in a very poignant 
way, which was basically at the core of the movie. The movie is about you know loving yourself and and self care, and then basically one's mental health and acceptance. Those are yeah. basically the main themes and the main um, problems that keep you know setting Elton back and that I mean keep yeah themselves the, to Elton. I mean yeah the movie is taking place literally in him you know walking into an AA meeting basically or going to rehab and it's just him telling his story so yeah and I actually I actually love that as a as a framing device and how they set up Elton how they set up Elton going to rehab and how they use that to kind of set up the plot of the film Mm -hmm. and do you want to talk about his rehab now or would you rather just talk about it later I think we just talk about it now yeah go for it so um I like how it was used as a framing device, like I said, but I feel like sometimes it was too on the nose and a little too heavy handed. In what like, scene specifically? Okay. So I like how basically Elton starts his uh, rehabilitation in the um, devil outfit that he was going to wear to his Madison Square Garden concert. Yeah. And as the movie goes on, Elton gradually loses more and more of his outfit basically um representing his vulnerability and how much more comfortable he is telling his story and letting everyone see the more personal aspects of his life until yeah. eventually Elton John is in nothing but a bathrobe mm -hmm. he's the most vulnerable man in the room so i liked how that was done subtly i mean it's not so subtle if you know like how those things work yeah. but it worked well enough for me but the moment that I found a little heavy-handed and on the nose was at the very end when he is speaking to the, like, the physical manifestations of his demons. Yeah. And baby Elton John is like, oh, when are you going to hug me? And then he hugs little Elton. I thought that was a little too on the nose. However, I didn't really mind it because it was well-deserved and the movie definitely earned that moment. But I could definitely see how some people can complain about that being super, like, heavy-handed. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah. I mean, I was okay with it just because, you know, I think the movie, like like you said, like, the movie earned it and it was very, you know, it it was just very, it, it was earned. Like, the movie was very, like, about self-care and self-love and all like that. But I get what you mean. Um... I don't know. I didn't really have a problem with it, like at all. But I don't know. That's I don't really have much to say on that. Just that, yeah. I just don't don't really have much to say. <laughs> <laughs> like I I did really like how how the how Elton basically confronts all his demons over at the end there out in the open, and how he confronts everyone who at one point or another played a huge role in his development and the love he has for himself. And obviously they treat Bernie and um, which who was his uh, his lyricist like his and, best friend and best yeah. friend. And I forget his was it his grandmother was was his grandmother the elder lady or was that like a nanny? That's his grandma. Yeah. Okay, and uh, I did like how they the relationship between his grandmother and Elton uh, felt very natural, and I did like how she was basically the one person who pushed him in a in a very loving way because his mother while she wasn't as much of an asshole as his dad was she felt very toxic 
she felt sure. very uh, materialistic and very selfish, even though it wasn't as bad as her father, oh, as Elton's father. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I do honestly, I didn't really know how to feel about about his mother. Like I felt like the movie didn't know whether to paint his mother in a neg, not in a negative light, but as part of the problem with Elton. Or... I think it painted it pretty well, in my opinion. I think it painted it that, like, you know, that was his mother, and she obviously loved him, but at the same time, she also had some sort of a resentment towards him, just because, you know, I think she says that at one point, she's like, oh, like, I could have done so much, like, had I not had you. Uh, so I think it, I think it paints it that, you know, that's his, that she's his mother, and she loves him, and she wants to take care of him, but at the same time, she also doesn't not really care, but... It just seemed like she did the bare minimum. I was a little confused, though, because in real life, I thought that Elton and his mother were on good terms. or uh, Because there was a, a commercial that came out a few years ago, a British commercial, that shows Elton singing um, on his piano. I really don't know what the commercial was trying to promote, but it's basically Elton singing your song on the piano. And that I was think, a Kodak commercial. Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I think it was dedicated to his mother. Like, that commercial was dedicated to his mother. So, I I don't know. I was a little confused seeing um, how almost antagonizing the mother was in this movie. Hmm. But whatever. Uh, That's beside the point. Um, I want to talk about the more musical aspect of this movie quickly. Um, We already spoke about how this movie felt like more of a traditional musical than Bohemian Rhapsody did. And how the songs were used to push the narrative forward. And I don't know if I mentioned earlier that it really felt like the songs were made specifically like for this movie, honestly, the way that they do it. The way that they pick and picked and chose the songs to put in this to push it forward. It all felt very natural and it all uh, every kind song of, felt like they served a purpose. Absolutely, one hundred percent. And uh, one of the biggest things about this movie was that the musical numbers were all so energetic and full of life and oh, charisma. Yeah. And it actually reminded me of another big-time Hollywood blockbuster musical that just got released. Uh, can you guess what that is? That just got released? Yep. Uh, I'll give you a hint. It's a remake. A musical that just got released. Damn. I'm drawing a blank. So what is what is uh, it? I'll give you another hint. I just wrote a review on it. Just for, Oh, Aladdin? <laughs> yeah. It actually reminded me a lot of the new Aladdin that came out, but not in a good way. It actually reminded me of how much I hated Aladdin and um, the contrast between... You saw Aladdin, right? No, I, I, I didn't end up getting the chance to see it. I couldn't end up seeing it. Okay, well, basically, my main the re, the main connection that I made between the two movies was how in this movie, um, the director of Rocketman, who I'm drawing a blank, um, who directed Rocketman, Dexter Fletcher. How the difference is between how Dexter Fletcher directs a musical set piece and how Guy Ritchie directs a musical set piece. Whereas in Aladdin, um, it looks like Guy Ritchie has no idea what he's doing when he's directing these um, musical scenes. <laughs> because with the exception of Friend Like Me and Prince Ali, all the musical scenes in Aladdin are very boring and very they feel very flat. They feel like they have no life to them. And they they feel very like like bare bones. Whereas in this movie, um, the movie kind of embraces 
the wildness of these songs and how fast paced everything is and it feels so kinetic so i think Mm -hmm. dexter fletcher did a great job in directing a lot of these musical scenes especially um the saturday night's all right for fighting yeah i thought that's scene is when the movie really kicks into full gear and really uh embraces all of the wild aspects of elton's life and every aspect of the movie and then again in Crocodile Rock, and even in the beginning when they play A Bitch's Back. But it really mm-hmm. did remind me of of uh, the Aladdin remake and just how how flat all the musical scenes feel. It's just, I mean, I haven't seen Aladdin, but just based off of that clip that they showed with Will Smith um, seeing Prince Ali, it's just, yeah, it just doesn't, it just looks so out of place. It just looks like someone who doesn't know what they're doing with like music was making that. And it's kind of clear that Guy Ritchie shouldn't be making musicals out of all things to be directing for him, especially, but yeah, like back to rocket man, the music in this movie is definitely, I wouldn't say the music is the highlight. I would say the way that they do like these musical scenes are the highlight of this movie. And that's when the movie does best, like a hundred percent. The movie is its best when it embraces it being not like quirky or like, you know, it, it does best when it embraces the fantasy aspect. And when there were some points in this movie that I felt, especially when he's talking to his original manager, I believe, uh, that whole scene reminded me of Bohemian Rhapsody. And it was just it was just very, very like, wow, this is the typical like biopic formula. Um, And I feel like those are definitely the weakest parts of the movie when they actually follow that formula like on the nose i don't know mm-hmm. if you agree with me but um i actually noticed that uh the movie plays a lot into like a lot of those cliches that you see in musicals and biopics like um for example like the biggest one was is that scene in every musical and every biopic when the main artist like starts playing a song for the first time and everyone looks at him like in wonder like, yeah. they just shit their pants. They're like, oh, my God, this is amazing. <laughs> that yeah. happens, like, four times in this movie. But, I mean, I don't really mind it because Elton was so naturally gifted. But they also managed to steer away from some of the bigger uh, cliches that actually, like, affect the plot. Like, um, another example I had written down was in every musical or musical biopic where the opening scene is actually, like, the biggest moment of the this artist's life which is like their big concert and it's true in this movie whereas the opening scene is the biggest moment in elton's life but it's him going to rehab which i thought was a nice uh a really nice uh, breath of fresh air and a nice change to a really tired cliche that can actually like really affect the plot like in a bad way like and bohemian rhapsody kind of did it also where no they didn't actually bohemian rhapsody starts off in live aid yeah, yeah, actually. No, never mind. Fuck Bohemian <laughs> Rhapsody. It's exactly what it does. Yeah. Wow. Also, oh, oh I was yeah, going to point, point, point out another thing. Like, man, we keep comparing this to Bohemian Rhapsody, but, like, they came out so recently that I feel like you can't help it but just compare them. Um, What I was going to say – damn, I'm drawing a blank. Okay, yeah, that Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man, you know, Elton John and Freddie Mercury are both, you know, openly gay individuals. Uh. Rocket Man, I think depicts and it it depicts you know Elton John's sexuality and it kind of it doesn't shy away from it and I feel that it does it in a much better 
way than Bohemian Rhapsody did because Bohemian Rhapsody just shows like Freddie Mercury getting like every time Freddie Mercury is involved with like, you know, a, another man, it just shows him either at like a truck stop, like, you know, trying to get with any man or him at like these huge parties just getting with a bunch of men and, and men and being extremely like promiscuous. I mean, I don't know about Freddie Mercury's personal life like that, but I just feel that this movie shows like, I don't know, it showed Elton John more as like a person, like in a relationship with certain people than just him sleeping around with a bunch of guys. Oh, yeah, I actually have that written down also. Uh, one of the uh, biggest things that I liked, you know, when comparing Rocketman to uh, Bohemian Rhapsody is that you're right. This movie did feel much more, I guess, like gay positive than Bohemian Rhapsody did. Um, mm-hmm. And in, in the sense that Rocketman embraces Elton's um, sexuality more than mm-hmm. Bohemian Rhapsody ever did for Freddie. And uh, you're right, because when I was watching Bohemian Rhapsody, I noticed that a lot of it, Bohemian Rhapsody made it seem like a lot of the negative aspects of Freddie's life came as a result of his of sexuality. Yeah. And like basically, like especially when the movie ends with like his um, wife being like his saving grace. Yeah. After like all this like time of, you know, drugs and sex and him getting AIDS and it's just kind of mm-hmm. like, I mean, come on, like, really? But this movie really embraces the fact that Elton was was gay and it paints it, it you know, it's part of Elton's character. Yeah. You know, and he wears it on his sleeve and, and I think it's handled in a really wonderful way, in a really wonderful way. I uh, I was really impressed with, with uh, how they handle his sexuality. And it just makes Bohemian Rhapsody seem so much worse, like in hindsight, honestly. <laughs> yeah, and it's like I, I just hate comparing the two movies just because I feel like it kind of takes away from what Rocketman was. But like like I said, like I just can't help comparing them just because they're so recent. Like they so recently came out like in the same hasn't even been a year, right? Since. Yeah, no, it hasn't, no. yeah hasn't even been a year at all. So so. It's just, yeah, like, Rocketman is just such a better movie. Absolutely. Uh, like, I know my girlfriend, when we saw it, she was like, oh, this is, this is like, one of the better movies I think we've seen. I was like, oh, like, of the year, like, the movies we've seen this year? And she's like, no, like, this is probably one of, like, my favorite movies that I've seen. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, and, and I've seen a lot of people tweet that about, you know, Rocketman, that they say that this is their favorite biopic and this is, you know, their favorite movie that they've seen in a long time just because it feels very refreshing. Um, feel, yeah, you know, I can see that. And I think a big part of that is, is, uh, you know, besides the direction of the movie and just how good it is in general, um, I think a big part of the movie's success lies on Taron Egerton. I think, like, Taron Egerton was Elton John. Like, I think he, he killed it in every possible aspect. And it's probably the best performance I've seen in a biopic or musical in a, very long time like he he looks and sounds exactly like elton in some moments Mm -hmm. like there's moments in the movie where it legitimately looks and sounds like a young elton john there was moments when i actually thought (laughs) um i know at the end of the movie when he gets out of rehab um and he you know it goes into the song of you know him still standing Mm -hmm. when they showed when they redid that music video I thought that was I was like, oh, OK, they they threw in like the original music video, like with Elton John as like, uh, 
like a tribute, I guess, at the end. No, they did not. That was just them remaking the music video. And I actually thought that was Elton John for like a good minute. <laughs> and then um, during the credits, when they have Elton and Taryn like side by side in the same outfits, it's scary oh, yeah. similarities yeah. between them. Um, but I think Taryn Egerton becomes Elton John in a way that Remy Malik never did for Freddie Mercury, whereas it felt like Taryn, you know, really became this character, whereas Malik felt like he was an actor trying to do his best Freddie Mercury impression. I don't know if you felt that way. I think he does like, a good job, but yeah, I agree with you. Like, I feel like Taryn delivered a, a much stronger performance than Freddie Mercury, and it sucks because, I mean, then... Remy Malik, and it sucks because since Remy won the Oscar for Best Actor for his performance as Freddie, even though Taron delivered a much better performance, I highly doubt he's going to win the Oscar this year. I mean, I, he absolutely deserves to be nominated, I think. And yeah. hopefully he will, but I just don't see it happening unless the studio really pushes for it. I just see it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe they will. I guess maybe it also it's going to depend on the, you know, the box office success that this movie has. Um, I mean, it opens with a solid enough opening opening weekend. And like what, 25 million? Yeah. I mean, Bohemian Rhapsody killed it in the box office. Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, made 215 million domestically just about and, you know, overseas it made 687 million dollars that was a billion you know, dollar movie almost a billion dollar it was a 900 million dollar movie damn yeah so yeah i doubt this movie even come cl- comes close <laughs> to that. Which yeah sucks, so. honestly it, it really sucks um yeah i felt like like all the relationships in the movie were handled pretty well too but you know, specifically, like I say this specifically with the relationship between Elton and um, Bernie. Oh, I mm-hmm. think Jamie Bell did an, an amazing job as Bernie. And the scene where where Bernie sings uh, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road uh, yeah. was surprising, too, because, man, J- Jamie Bell can sing pretty well. Um, however, I don't think the movie was perfect. Uh, no, there, are, there are a few things that, that kind of stood out to me. Number one being... I don't think Bryce Dallas Howard was a good choice to play the mother. It was a little weird seeing her in the movie. Um, it took me a while to to connect the dots. Like like when the mother came on screen, I was like, "Damn, this looks really familiar," but like, I can't quite like put my finger on it. And then when I realized it was Bryce Dallas Howard, it really took me out of the movie. I'm not gonna lie. I feel like they should have gone with a more believable actress. Yeah, I just felt. I mean, I don't think she did a bad job. I think it just kind of was a little bit out of place. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. Um, her I British think, accent was a little odd, but yeah. it was good. It was fine. I didn't have a problem with it, but yeah, it just felt kind of out of place. Um, I think John Reed uh, felt pretty generic. Felt like a pretty just generic um, musical biopic villain. Yeah. Um. I thought some of the CGI was pretty poor in some places. Um, mostly the scene in Rocket Man when Elton turns into a rocket and like blasts off into the sky. Yeah, but, that was a little. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of that. Yeah, but I mean, whatever. Like, I don't mind that because like the scene of Rocket Man itself was just so well done. I want to ask you, what was your favorite, your favorite part of the movie? Hmm, man, my favorite. Like your favorite sequence or scene. 
I'm trying to think. Uh, maybe when hmm, I would think when he sings Honky Cat, I really like that scene for some reason. Mm-hmm. Like, and they do that transition of like when he's like, "Oh, what do you want?" and it goes through that whole transition. Uh, I think Honky Cat, uh, Honky Cat was such a great way of showing his uh, like descent into his uh, excess and self-destructive tendencies. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure right after that song is over, like it's like a scene of him just like waking up, like not knowing where he is, right? Yeah, it's something yeah. like yeah, exactly. And that's so the first I really, time I think you see him do drugs on screen. I also really liked the scene that this scene is in the trailer, and I've I've really liked this scene uh, of him when he's playing in Dodger Stadium, and you see him like backstage, and he's all just he is just like coked out and just really like exhausted from all like also the friggin' massive amounts of prescription pills he was on. And you see him like a zombie kind of just walking. And then as soon as they hand him the bat and he goes on screen, like he immediately becomes like Elton John, like a, like, you know, the performer that he was. I really liked how they did that. That's during Rocketman, right? That is during Rocketman. Is that during Rocketman? Oh, yes, yeah, it is. is. OK, yeah, yeah. OK, yeah. So I really liked that's that whole sequence. And yeah, um, I think those would be my two favorite. Uh, when he first performs, too, I think that was good. I think out of every scene. Um, I just want to say that I saw this movie in Dolby in mm-hmm. a Dolby theater and it was insane. It felt like I was in a freaking concert for the whole film. It was awesome. But I want to say that easily, like I could say this, like I love the entire movie, but easily my favorite part of the movie was when he sings Crocodile Rock at the Troubadour. Um, to me, uh, as soon as the, that scene starts, when he comes out on stage in slow motion, yeah. um, I was expecting, I was like, okay, this is going to be a fairly straight, uh, he performs a song at the Troubadour, everyone loves it, and he's, you know, ascends into stardom. Then um, as it starts ramping up and everyone uh, starts like floating and Ellen starts floating, um, I don't know, there was something about that moment and how like ethereal it felt that, I don't know. Like, I was so, like, overcome by this movie. I was so, like, this is the moment that I realized, I was like, I I love this movie. And um, mm-hmm. when everyone starts harmonizing uh, and everyone starts rushing on stage, to me, it was uh, not the most well-done part of the movie, although I could kind of uh, make an argument for that or Honky Cat, which is a close second for me. Oh, mm-hmm. which is a second for me, but I don't know. For me, that whole sequence of him singing Crocodile Rock was so, so well done and so different, you know, with the visuals and all that stuff. Um, I did like your, uh, like when he sings your song, um, it felt very tender and very personal when he, when that song comes on. And of course, Rocketman, but the whole movie was great. Every, every song and every set piece. Would you say that? Rocket Man is in your top 10 films of the year so far, or no? Uh, I'd say it's uh, my second favorite film of the year so far. Really? Okay. Yeah, and it's it's very close to Endgame, actually. That's really? how much I like. Yeah, that's how much I nice. like this movie. Okay. Okay. I mean, yeah, I think I definitely put it somewhere in the middle for me. Really? I really liked it. Yeah. Somewhere in the middle for my top 10, like, so far. I thought What's it was your top very- three right now? Man, my t- top three? I'm going to put Endgame in there for sure. Um, and I'd put Endgame. Hmm. Let me see. I'm going through my list right now because it's always changing. Uh, I'd have Us. 
Mm. Okay. And man, you know what? Now that I think about it, hmm, I don't know. I might put Booksmart in there. I saw Booksmart. Oh, how was it? I haven't seen it yet. It's really good. It's really good. It's like I would call it the super bad for like a new generation of kids. I would call it that. Interesting. But yeah, I, I'd put it maybe at like my five, number five for me. But mm, yeah, I have a very different list from you. I think it's gonna stay in my top ten for sure though throughout the year. Oh, this is absolutely staying in my top ten. Yeah, I see it as one of those movies that it's gonna stay in my top ten. But so yeah, I guess what are your you know what are your closing thoughts on Um, Rocket Man? Closing thoughts. uh, I've uh, like as if you've listened to this whole podcast in full, you see just how much I love this movie, um, and how refreshing it is for not just a musical but as a biopic. So if, uh, if you're a fan of Elton John or uh, Taron Egerton or musicals or biopics in general, please, please, please go watch this movie. And if you liked Bohemian Rhapsody, please go watch this movie because it is so much better than Bohemian Rhapsody in every way possible. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, you pretty much said what I was going to say, more or less. But yeah, <laughs> so this is this is how biopics should be. I mean, it was it was just it was creative. It was a creative biopic, and we don't really get that anymore with biopics. It was ambitious. It took so many risks, and at the end of the day, I feel like most of them paid off, if not all of them. A hundred percent. So 100%. I, th- I think that just about wraps it up for this week's episode. What are we reviewing next week? I don't know. <laughs> what comes out next week? Uh, I saw it I'm earlier gonna... today, actually, and I completely forgot what it was. I think I'm is it? Gonna... I'm gonna be honest. I think it's Men in Black. No, Men in Black is later. Hmm. You I don't know then. I don't know what's check, coming out. Let me check Fandango. Wow, and I literally saw it like before we started recording, and I don't remember now. It would be. Oh, it's Dark Phoenix. Oh, that's or right. Secret Life of Pets 2. So I think we have to make a decision. Okay, Um, I'm going to watch both. Uh, But I guess for the sake of the podcast, we'll do Dark Phoenix because... That one's probably going to be much more popular. Okay. So, okay. So stay tuned uh, next <laughs> week. Uh, well, Nick and I are going to be reviewing X-Men Dark Phoenix, which is thankfully the last X-Men studios not made by Marvel Studios or next Marvel movie not made by Marvel Studios. Hmm. Or so. No, wait. I still fucked that up. The last X-Men movie not made by Marvel Studios. Jesus. There we go. Um, also stay tuned. Uh, I'm going to be watching Godzilla today actually at the time of this recording so there will be a godzilla king of monsters review coming out in the next day or two and i will be watching a secret life of pets too obviously for all of you who are interested all two of you so <laughs> uh keep an eye out on that also i think also that... oh, yeah, go ahead. yeah be sure to follow us on twitter at inside backlot if you have you know anything you want to email us or talk to us about you could email us at inside at gmail.com also I think that just about wraps it up, guys. Thank you for listening.